Committee of the Whole Meeting, Wednesday, May 12, 6 o'clock p.m. Mr. Clerk, uh, please call the roll. Council Bears. Present. Councilor Falco. Present. Vice President Knight. Councilor Marks. Present. Councilor Morell. Present. Councilor Scarpelli. Present. President Caraviello. Uh, present. Uh, six in attendance, one absence. Vice President Knight just arrived. Uh, okay. Do you want to lock him in? Uh, everyone is here now. Okay, pursuant to Governor Baker's March 12, 2020 order suspending certain provisions of the Open Meeting Law, Chapter 38, Section 18, and the Governor's March 15, 2020 order imposing strict limitations on the number of people that may gather in one place, this meeting of the Memphis City Council Committee as a whole will be conducted by a remote participation to the greatest extent possible. Specific information in the, in the general guidelines for remote participation by members of the public and applied with a right of and a requirement to attend this meeting can be found on the City of Medford website at www.medford.org. For this meeting, members of the public who wish to listen or watch the meeting may do so by accessing the meeting link contained herein. No in-person attendance of the members of the public will be permitted, but every effort will be made to ensure the public can adequately access the proceedings in real time via technological means. In the event we're unable to do so, despite best efforts, we will post on the City of Medford or Medford Community Media website an audio or video recording transcript or other comprehensive record record of the proceedings as soon as possible. I don't know why I don't have that memorized yet. Um, okay, so um, this committee at the whole meeting is to discuss uh, the findings of the parking commission. And we have, um, I see we have uh, Jim Silva and Laura Romer. I think they, I think you were the two co-chairs of the of the uh, the commission. Um, and if uh, uh, Jim or Laura, if you'd like to um, start out, uh, it would be great. You just uh, introduce yourself to everybody. Sure, Laura Romer, 149 Burgett Avenue. Uh, I'm also the representative for the Medford Tux Green Line Extension. Um, stop, uh, which is on schedule to open this December uh, 2021. So that's good news. Um, as I was saying at the city council meeting uh, two weeks ago, the report that we have put together is fairly comprehensive. It, it touches on a number of different aspects of Medford and where we are right now. And as you can see, it is quite different from the 20, 2009 parking commission um, study because it uh, is much more holistic. Um, we really needed to take into account the Green Line extension and what that would actually mean to these very specific neighborhoods. It's uh, not difficult to notice that none of the elected representatives live in South Medford or Hillside. Um, so Jim and I feel that it, we need to represent those neighborhoods as much as we possibly can and those needs um, when it comes to not just the Green Line, obviously, as we have been for a number of years appointed by two different mayors, but also the um, needs of parking, which has been a problem for uh, forever and ever. Um, it's also recognized that Hillside and South Medford are very different neighborhoods than say North Medford and Governor's Avenue and other parts of the town city. However, during this pandemic year, I think it's been apparent that parking actually is an issue throughout the entire city. Um, it, the fells have been very crowded with folks wanting to visit and the pressure has been seen on those neighbors, parking on the streets, um, parking on private ways, 
parking throughout the city. We also have congestion in Medford Square specifically. Um, the uh, business parking, there's just not enough of it. There's a lot of owners. They've gone through a uh, really tough year business owners have. And we also have changed as a society where we're looking for and expecting a lot more from delivery drivers, um, as well as Uber um, drop off and pick off drivers. Luckily, also, the Chevalier reboot has been incredibly successful, and we now have an attraction that brings on a number, 100 nights a year, more than 2,000 people to Medford Square. So we have um, a lot of change, a lot of friction, and a lot of opportunity here in Medford. Um, Jim, if you would like to start with the mayor's charge and why she put together this commission and also the makeup of the commission. And just real briefly, I thank all the commission members for not just participating in this entire process, which again, started in October, 2020. In five months, we performed an enormous amount of research, held two surveys and tens of hours of meetings to really try to bring in as many people as possible in a very challenging way. The pandemic obviously did not allow for a lot of face-to-face -face conversations. And this is the much more the way that we would have preferred to have um, proceeded as well as of course, meeting, large meetings. Um, the, however, I would say that the members of the commission were uh, dogged and committed and uh, their work really shows in this report. Absolutely, Laura, thank you. Um, my name is Jim Silva, 115 Yale Street. I'm the GLX advisor for the Ball Square South Medford Station. Um, also the co-chair of the Policy uh, Enforcement Commission. We had, uh, as Laurel said, the mayor's charge was to basically evaluate the city's uh, current policies pertaining to the on-street parking in Medford evaluate the feasibility of the area-wide parking policies as relate to the MBTA Green Line extension, study the fees that are currently uh, assessed for on-street parking in the city of Medford, including meters, passes, and permits, study the methods rather of parking fee collection in the city of Medford, evaluate the city of Medford's current arrangement of the parking enforcement, the outsourcing of parking administration, and enforcement to third-party vendor and make recommendations of policy changes to her honor the mayor if necessary. So as Laurel alluded to, we really had not had a lot of contemporary data. So we approached this as a project, uh, a, a data gathering project. And basically we broke this up into three particular units. It was a resident parking, a business parking, as well as enforcement. What we need to do then is to evaluate our data needs. And we went to the city and asked them specifically for contracts, for a current evaluation, for actual fines that are paid, specific to streets and locations, identifying those locations. Uh, we utilized the correspondence that people had sent to us to see exactly where we needed to focus, what was some of the analysis we could do originally, initially. And then we were able to develop the surveys from that information based again on those three important principles. Within the commission, we had team leads. We had Maury Carroll, who was the business community advisor. He was the team lead for the business parking. He was the business outreach team lead and he was the business community liaison. We had a resident parking team lead, which was Saketh Rama. 
and he was on data analysis. He did all the data mapping. He worked with our engineering department to look at the standards that the city of Medford had. And we kind of utilized those in our effective process of implementing that in our, in our report. He was a, uh, he also did the community post meeting follow-ups. He did the policy evaluations as well. We had Laurel Siegel, who was our, uh, she's an attorney here in Medford. She was a team legal advisor. She went through all of our contracts. She reviewed them and she educated all of us on the team, but also the community during community meetings when the focus was on contractual issues with the current evaluation of Park Medford. Um, and basically she went through all of the leaseholding for specific parking lots, et cetera, to find those locations throughout the city that might be available for business parking needs, which was one of the identified needs within this process. Um, we had uh, Jeffrey Mayong, who was a community advisor. We had Nicole Morell, city councilor, who uh, helped us with zoning aspects, as well as budgetary issues that might come up within the city council. We had Sergeant Charles Hartnett, who was in the Metro Police Department. He was our resident parking advisor. He did our business parking advising as well, our enforcement policy advisors, and current policy resources. We had DJ DiBiano, who was a business outreach member, business community advisor. Fred Roach, he did the business outreach team lead, and he was the commission photographer. And then we have Pam Cerullo, who is our business resident and enforcement specialist. She was a team lead for enforcement and policy. She did the resident business outreach team lead. She was a correspondent lead with surrounding communities. So she did all of the correspondence outreach to speak to five uh, surrounding communities, Somerville, Everett, uh, Malden, Salem, and Arlington. Um, and she also was the team lead with Park Medford Procedure Advisors. So any of our communications we had with Park Medford, Pam was the one who reached out, did the correspondence and actually led the charge. So that's the structure mm -hmm. of our team. That's the structure of our commission. I know it's a little bit different than the general commissions that you have, but it was an opportunity to gather data, to have a practical approach as a bottom line. So when we made recommendations, we had good data. And without good data, you can't make good recommendations. Any questions? The structure? Laurel? Yeah, thank you. I just wanted to reiterate, this is a working commission. So we felt it was absolutely necessary to bring recommendations to the mayor that were actionable, both short-term and long-term opportunities. You'll see that throughout the entire report. So while we summed up the report uh, into 21 recommendations, there are um, probably three times as many as that throughout the entire report as we get into some very specific nuanced topics. Um, this is not to say that some commission, other traffic commissions were, um, and, and other commissions were looking at some of these issues. Um, it was particularly helpful to discuss them with Sergeant Hartnett and what the problems that the traffic commission often sees and uh, the issues of private ways has been something that's one of those topics. It's super difficult and complicated uh, that the city has off and on looked at for decades. So again, this is more like bringing as much information into one place as possible. And uh, we would welcome any questions that you have. Also, Rome. 
Thank you, Mr. President. Um, thank you, Laurel and Jim, once again, and everyone um, on the commission for their hard work. I know there were many meetings I couldn't make because I was in meetings like this. So I appreciate you um, guys being lenient with me as I showed up when I could. Um, I want to make sure the other counselors get a lot of questions in, but I do, I am curious, based on the recommendations, are there any um, kind of like quick action recommendations that you guys, um, that the commissions prioritize that are something that might be like a light lift? I'm thinking one of the recommendations or the challenges is the inability to transfer a business permit parking, um, you know, if a vehicle breaks down. So I'm curious if there's things like that, that might not require, you um, any legislation or really any money, but just a kind of a, a tweak to policy that you guys, you know, highly recommend. That is definitely one of the first ones that could be done. Um, however, that does require infrastructure. And um, as we all know, there's just not a lot of infrastructure that comes with the, uh, that, that would be free or a light lift. So um, the first recommendation I would actually make is just enforcing parking laws. Park. There's no parking on sidewalks. Not only is it an ADA issue, it's a safety issue. Not only that, it's an infrastructure issue because it breaks the sidewalks. Not only that, it's plain dangerous, as is parking going the wrong way down the street. I know. I live in that small neighborhood where people just park in front of their houses, whichever way they come down the street. We've got to get out of that really bad behavior. It's dangerous. You're pulling out into oncoming traffic. Secondly, it's just overnight parking, 48 hours. We have to figure out a way to start actually enforcing so the first light lift is actually enforcing the parking rules of the city. Um, and from that point, I think you would start seeing, um, well, the hope is a change in behavior for sure. The issue with um, business parking and making it more flexible is that you then need a way to, perhaps you could try it as a trial period where every business gets say three permits instead of one permit for their cost. And the idea is that you would be able to switch it on to different vehicles. That, of course, allows for two additional cars to park in the business districts. Um, we're going on a lot of good faith here that folks want to follow the rules and they want that kind of flexibility. So, you know, with some discussion with the current parking uh, enforcement agency here in Medford, which is Park Medford, that probably could be tackled for a small amount of money. Jim? I think we also... Um as far as a flexible business permit is concerned, uh, the business folks identify that as a need, something they really could use and utilize. The other thing was a consistent policy of free parking, which could be implemented based on cost analysis, et cetera, what the losses may be. But the consistent policy throughout the community, throughout the business districts, I should say, the five major business districts are sort of fine because it's immediate. When you pull into a space, you immediately need to pay that fee. Whereas in other parts, there's 15 smaller business districts throughout uh, Medford, you can park for two hours. So your business might be at a disadvantage. So we need to ensure that we have a fair and equitable process and certainly highlight that as an opportunity to look at that. As, and that's something that could be implemented as well rather easily. The other thing is in the enforcement tools, we do have two enforcement tools and, and readers, et cetera, for resident parking. But we need to have, we need to equip, we need to tool accordingly so that it's easier to enforce. In addition, there needs to be a consistency of, of policy and enforcement so that it is easier to enforce all of these different rules. And that's sort of our findings and the difficulty that we see. But and the issue of consistency, Jim, also just to piggyback on that is we still have residents coming to the traffic commission wanting their street to be permit parking. Uh, 
Greenleaf just turned over in my neighborhood and Hume went to parking commission, traffic commission to be permit parking this week. It was tabled because, you know, we're waiting for this uh, actions from this report to, to solidify. But currently in Medford, you can, as a petitioner that wants permit parking on your street, choose what kind of parking you want on your street. Do you want it seven to seven Monday through Friday? Do you want it seven days a week, 24 hours a day? Every single street has a different set of rules. We need to start standardizing. I know it's a restriction of choice, but at some point it makes it easier for enforcement. It doesn't confuse residents who are trying to park on that street. And frankly, it would be a, a cost savings as we only print up one set of signs versus any set of signs that you would like. So as we made these recommendations, I just want to, you know, everyone to know that citizens still have the need for permit parking. And again, every day that gets closer and closer to the Green Line station stop, the neighborhood, South Medford and Hillside wants this parking enforcement so that they have a way to know that they'll come home and hopefully have a parking spot in front of their house and not have a commuter that's going downtown parked in front of their house. So honestly, those are the two low level things. Or, and as Jim mentioned, that would not cost a lot of money. That would be a bit of a change in policy and an increase in enforcement. Great, thank you both. And just one follow-up question. So just confirming, which I think is in the report is that Park Medford, our parking enforcement authority only enforces what we ask, what the city asks them to enforce, correct? That's correct. So for example, we actually don't boot vehicles. So, or put liens on houses when there is an outstanding debt. And what this means is that we actually only enforce to one part. We enforce, if you are parking in front of a fire hydrant, you'll get a ticket. But if you decide not to pay that ticket, that's it. So because there has not been the second leg of enforcement, which is booting a car, towing a car, putting, you know, finding these actions to actually be um, fully enforcing the penalty, the city misses out on not necessarily this money, but also the people who create the, uh, who, who uh, practices infractions continue practicing the infractions. So there is no penalty if you decide to not pay your parking tickets. Um, oh, you say you can go to the DMV and they'll put a name on a list. There's ways to get around um, that. And the person who has the parking infractions can in fact still get their driver's license renewed year after year after year. So yes, it is up to the city to decide how much they want to enforce the parking rules. For example, some folks in the neighborhoods very tightly packed neighborhoods have difficulty pulling out of in and out of their driveways. And this is one of the things that deters them from parking in their driveways. And so instead they park in the streets. Why? Because when they pull in and out of the driveways, their neighbors have parked too close to the driveways and they're very concerned about hitting cars as they pull in and pull out. If you don't believe it, you'll have to come through the neighborhoods to see it yourself. It's absolutely true. Another issue, of course, is parking on turns and et cetera. So the city could actually, in fact, if it wanted to, enforce some of those more very particular enforcements. I'm not saying it's necessarily the best way, because of course, if you mark out 10 feet on either side of it or five feet on every side of a driveway, you're gonna create less and less parking opportunities throughout the entire neighborhood. However, that's something the city needs to think about. And with the creation of a traffic um, department, a transportation department, our hope is that that's one of the things that we can do to make our neighborhoods just more appealing and also encourage those folks who don't want to park in the driveways because they are afraid they're going to hit either they'll get hit or they'll hit someone else's car to actually park in the driveways and create open space on the street for parking. 
Okay, sorry. And one. Oh, go ahead, Jim. <laughs> I also, I, I, I also think this is an opportunity to have a dynamic program. And what I mean by that is, with the transportation department, it allows an evaluation on an annual basis. For instance, that's what we're recommending, where people in the community will have an opportunity to look at their particular streets, to look at sort of what is happening with business and the butters, how they need to change or maybe implement change. But there needs to be a follow-up and a consistency in policy, um, consistency of enforcement, policy, signage. It makes it a lot easier to enforce, but it also for people to sort of manage that effectively. Um, and it will give them a chance to evaluate the parking situation with the curb situation, maybe identify laws, et cetera. And as Laurel alluded to, we found that the private ways were subject to something that was completely different. Um, it's an opportunity for the city to sort of suggest they, they can enforce resident parking, we found, because it's, it's private. But the city of Medford Police Department can enforce safety issues, et cetera. Other communities in the Arlington and some of them have a very simple policy that provides to private way residents that allow them to actually implement their own resident parking. So things like that, when you provide sort of access, when you provide procedures, you're actually helping the community sort of manage a process. So having that liaison at City Hall that ensures that whoever you have <clears throat> parking, whatever the case may be, they follow up to make sure that these rules and regulations are being implemented. People are paying their tickets if they need to or can test them in a, in a way that's easy. And also provide, you know, health care, home health care, parking passes. If you're having an event at your house, sort of look at the possibilities of need and implement that. But someone needs to take that time and, and take advantage of that opportunity. And this is the time to do that because the enforcement process is very limited. Um, some of our police departments just even have the tools to allow them to implement the resident parking ticketing. So there's all of this downtime and all of this turnover that can be, you know, we, we, we recommend it that can be done very easily through technology and sort of in a manageable sense, in a very simple, easy process. Slowly, short-term, long-term. And much like we, you know, this is a humane, we want things to be better in Medford, we want businesses to thrive. We want customers to be able to get to the businesses easily. We want the ability of new technologies, new ways of working like Uber and, and delivery, et cetera, as well as people living in their own homes to, to be able to use the permit parking for their needs. It, it should not be punitive, but at the same time, the city has to create that level of enforcement to expect that if I call someone because there's a problem on my street, they're gonna come and fix it. Um, and that kind of promise is really important between the residents and the city. And again, this, this is the charge area. This is the GLX environment. But we also had an opportunity during our surveys, which we had 976 people respond. South Medford was at 22% of responders. West Medford was at 20% higher than Hillside. So again, from the response that you receive, you can see the emphasis on those areas that may be problematic. So it gives the city an opportunity. This is their beginning database with contemporary information to kind of parlay off here and build from that. And this is really the importance of this commission, what we found. We have an opportunity to start that process and maybe change the way we evaluate things. And the urgency isn't just with the Green Line extension, although for us that lives in, the, in those neighborhoods, it is. 
There has been legislative change from the state, including changes in zoning that allows for more dense housing near transit uh, structures. So we have two T stations here in Medford that will take people to and from the, the city on the green line. And we have West Medford with a commuter train, uh, commuter rail, and all of those locations one half mile radius from each location is up for changes in zoning by state law. So as a community, we are looking at pressures from outside, as well as, of course, uh, climate change, et cetera. The, this, uh, again, I mentioned this in the report, we mentioned this in the report because it is important as we think about parking, we have to think about other kinds of parking like bike parking, electric vehicle, electric vehicle parking, et cetera. Um, and why that's important is because we want to incent folks in the right way. So, you know, how can we also create a program of incentives so uh, people feel that they're buying into a program that makes sense for them, that's helpful, that gets them um, some kind of justice when they need it, but at the same time helps build Medford along these transit areas into the city that it will be, that we need it to be. Ignoring it is not going to help anyone. We feel it's important that we spend, we, we, we often see here in community that we spend a lot of time putting out funds. Nobody takes the time to find out how they start. And so we're, we're hopeful that this is an opportunity to change that in some very minimal way, but, but an opportunity to change. Okay, thank you both. I want to make sure everyone else can ask questions. Mr. Chair? Uncle Max. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair, and I want to thank uh, all the committees of the uh, Parking and Traffic Commission. Uh, I read through the report, had ample time to go through it, and uh, indeed, uh, a lot of work has been done since the last report was issued some many years ago. And I realize the mission and um, you know uh, impact of what's gone on in the community has changed over the years, but. Uh, this report is very thorough, in my opinion. Um, I, I, I think one uh, omission, and uh, uh, what, what I see, and I've been talking about for a number of years, is uh, the streamlining of uh, current processes of uh, how to get something done when it comes to parking in the community. And over the years, uh, if uh, you know residents recall, we used to have an off-street parking commission and we had the parking commission, which was very confusing to residents on which commissions you go before. And you might have to go before one commission, then appear before the second commission. Um, and some years back, we streamlined to make one commission. Now, uh, the uh, parking commission uh, is comprised of a lot of good people with good intentions. Uh, however, uh, I, I believe it's archaic and uh, how we operate uh, the parking commission. And I, I think it's a chief reason why uh, it takes an act of Congress to get things done in this community. And I, as one member, uh, feel that uh, we should have a more proactive committee, a committee that is more fluid than which currently exists. It's no reflection on the members of the committee. Like I said, they're all great dedicated workers. Uh, however, having a, a chief of police sit on the uh, parking commission that already has a million responsibilities and pulled in a million different directions, uh, in my opinion, may not be the best approach to having a real fluid process uh, when it comes to uh, moving parking issues forward and getting things heard um, and being proactive. 
Um, so that's just one thing I'd like to put out there. And uh, I know it wasn't one of the mission statements of this committee, but I think it's something that really, as we move along, uh, we have to take a look at streamlining government. Uh, and this is uh, one aspect of it. Um, the, the next thing is, uh, this is all excellent information and very useful information. But unless we have uh, implementation as a next phase and rollout as a phase after that, um, this will be just another report that a lot of good people worked on and spent a lot of hours. Uh, and I'm hoping that's not the case. I, and I don't believe it's the case. But uh, I think whatever we do, uh, Mr. President, is we have to push for the next phase or phases of this to make sure that, as Laurel and Jim and men, many of the other members mentioned, <coughs> that there may be some low-lying fruit that we're able to take care of uh, really uh, in the immediate sense and other long-term issues that's going to take some time to work on. Um, so I, I understand that and I appreciate that. But I want to make sure I think we all feel the same. I like to see results. I, I want to see something happen. You know, uh, I, I hate to say it. I want to see anything happen. I want to see us move forward. There's a lot of changes that could be made that uh, I think are uh, a necessary, uh, uh, necessary. And, uh, you know, this committee laid the groundwork for the past five months. So I appreciate all their efforts. Now the next stage is let's do something about it. Um, if I could, Mr. President, uh, I just want to um, ask, because I know they did a lot of research and solicited a lot of feedback through surveys and public hearings and so forth. Uh, I was wondering if they can get into a little more, and it doesn't have to be specific because these are giant topics, but if they can get into a little more about in-house versus outsourcing, uh, private versus public ways, which I know is a whole topic in itself, and uh, the citywide permit parking, which uh, I think we all are aware there was a consultant that was hired a few years back and came out with a recommendation. And supposedly there was a pilot that was supposed to start in the South Method and Hillside area, which I, I don't ever think was started. Uh, so those three in particular, uh, I know there's a lot of issues, but those three in particular, I'd like to hear some uh, feedback that uh, this committee received uh, by members of the community, uh, you know, whether or not uh, they were supportive of such change and uh, if there are any thoughts or anything outlined by the committee that uh, will be the next phase. Yeah, I'll tackle the citywide parking first. So um, what the committee recommended, commission recommended is that we start with zoned parking within the hillside and South Medford areas. And yes, you were correct. In 2017, a consultant was paid $25,000 by the city to create this commission this parking uh recommendations and they suggested zone parking specifically in hillside and south medford in four specific zones so if you're looking at the city um from route 16 to winthrop street so uh from whole foods danish pastry house north street to south street that would be one zone the second zone would be winthrop street to college avenue danish pastry house to where the tufts green line station will be again north to south Third zone would be from College Avenue to Harvard Street and then Harvard Street to Ball Square slash Broadway, um, the entire swath. So look, the benefit of um, zone parking like this is 85% of South Medford is already street parking. There's already rules in place 
to just switch over to be zone parking. And what this means is that we have to change our uh, current enforcement from street by street with all their different rules to an entire zone. So four different zones, each zone, anyone would be able to park wherever they want within that zone. The feedback I've gotten from my neighbors on Burgett Avenue, which is the access point to the Green Light Station, it's the closest point, it's the most easy place to park. We have a dead end street, it's lovely, it's already permit parking. Well, the problem is, is that if we go zoned, anyone within our zone can park on the street. I personally don't have a problem with it because it's my neighbors who are parking on my street for whatever reason that need to get easy access to the Green Line Station. However, it will put a crunch on those specific streets closest to the T stations themselves that are looked at as easy access for, for um, parking. Again, we're not talking about folks from coming out of town or commuters. We're talking about people within the zone shifting the way they park. It's an unknown. We don't know whether or not folks will come up from South Street to park at Burgett. Uh, my guess is probably not. They're probably going to walk or take the bus all the way to Harvest Square, whatever they usually do anyway for parking. We'd have to see. So the we can switch on this pilot literally tomorrow by, by turning all streets in South Medford and Hillside into permit parking streets. And perhaps yeah. one phase is to do that. And then the second phase is to then implement zone parking. So first people get used to parking by permit and then they get used to parking by zone that's one option um, as i said a majority of the streets in south medford are already permit parking uh hillside and my part of lower hillside not so much but quite a few are so um jim would you want to talk about the in-house and private ways there if i if i could just add yeah. a point to that uh, mr president um and, and i appreciate that and i think uh part of my re uh, opening statement was the fact that for years uh, the city has commissioned uh, these reports and studies. And uh, I think uh, it sends a lousy message to the community when you do spend, in this case, it's 25,000. In other cases, it's been over 100,000 to study, uh, you know, a water taxi, to study for uh, parking behind Colleen's, um, and nothing results in these particular studies. So I agree. I think the pilot program should have moved forward three years ago and then tweak it as needed. And that's why we call it a pilot program. Um, so I, I agree. I think we have to look at this, as you mentioned, Laurel, at the beginning. We can't continue to just do street by street and pushing problems onto the next street. And then, as you said, it's spotty enforcement. This street, you can only do certain type of enforcement. And I have a list that you can't go near this and you can't do that and don't do it after five o'clock and don't, you know, and, and we're expecting, uh, you know, whoever's doing the enforcement uh, to be all knowing on every uh, one of our 719 streets in the community, uh, which is absurd. So, uh, so I really believe whatever we do in the pilot program, I think would be the low lying fruit, the studies there, as you said, we have a lot of this in place and that's implemented. That's look at it. And if need be, let's tweak it as we move on. And that's find out what we learn because there's always growing pains, right? No matter what you implement, you're going to hear back and say, well, that doesn't work in this section. And how can we improve it? And so forth. And, and I hear, I live near the orange line. So I know that wasn't one of the areas you mentioned at the beginning, being close to uh, a train line. But I literally live a five-minute walk from the orange line. And I can tell you all day, I don't have resident permit parking all day, not as much now because of COVID and so forth, my street became a parking lot because people didn't want to pay the five or $6 to park there. And they realized, hey, I can park on Wellington Road, you know, and save my five or $6 a day and park there all day. 
and, and not fear of ever getting a ticket, you know. But the, these are the things section by section I think we have to take a look at. And uh, maybe a blanket approach doesn't, you know, my area of Wellington may not be the same as someone that's living up uh, in the Lawrence Estates or someone that may be up the hillside. It may be very different needs, but we have to move forward on something. So I, I hope what we can do in a unified voice is say, this is great. We have a lot of information now, but that's start moving. If it's creating more committees, uh, you know, that's do it. If it's creating, you know, another advisory committee or bringing in consultants that maybe can, uh, you know, advise us uh, along this process, let's do it. So I, I just want to put that out there that uh, I think the community is all behind this. It's a matter of they want to see something, right? This pilot program, they want to see. I, I've been talking about it for three years now. Whatever happened to the pilot program? And I can't get an answer. To be honest, I don't know if you guys got an answer. I still can't get an answer. Whatever happened to the rollout of the, the pilot program? You know, well, street, street sweeping. We're yeah. still working under a pilot program for street sweeping that's 10 years old. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, it, but, you know. Yeah, you, you make up a good point about the street sweeping as well because folks um, want to understand what happens to their cars when street sweeping day, all two days of the year. You're 100% right. We want to solve for 80% of the problems, and we have to do something to start that process. Let me just give you a quick overview of private ways. Private ways are a uh, hundred year old problem. Um, in the beginning of Medford, you could build your street, put your house on it, and you could maintain that private way. The public can still go down it. Over the years, it's been allowed that the city will now maintain some of it for safety purposes only. So if you have a fire hydrant on your private street, private way, then the city will maintain that sewer system, et cetera. City will maintain your private way, even though it doesn't own it. And the problem with this is that Medford has 37% of its streets are private ways, the most of any city in the region. This matters because we also lose out on federal funding, because if it's private, then why would the feds pay for it? So, you know, there's a number of reasons we have to look at private ways. And it's such a thorny topic because who owns the street? Well, it's now been generations passed down. People have moved in, people have moved out. But the most important thing to take away in this context of the commission is that there are, is no parking enforcement allowed on, park, on, on private ways. So um, anyone can park on a private way and uh, the city technically should not be putting signs on private ways. They should not be towing from private ways. They should not be um, trying to enforce or give tickets on private ways. Unfortunately, the city has done that. And there are people who probably should receive some sort of justice. Now, what happens is those folks on private ways need to band together and come up with their own solutions in Somerville. And now, I know folks don't like to say that we don't want to be like Somerville, but I'm telling you, this is such a thorny problem for so many towns and cities across the state that Somerville actually has has uh, solved this in a very light touch way, which is what we recommend Medford look into as well, which is residents on private streets, private ways, find their own towing options. So they have four houses. There's eight cars allowed to park on that private way. No more, unless you have, of course, friends over, whatever. Um, then that private way would hire a private tow company and they would enforce their own illegal parking on the private way. What Somerville has done is that they have then asked the private ways to register the tow companies with the city. So the city then knows what's happening. So when someone's car does get towed off of a private way, the city of Somerville knows who to contact and how to get that person back with their car. Um, 
the, re- the other reason why it's so complicated for is the, because the Green Line neighborhoods, the Hillside and South Medford, have a lot of private ways in them. Um, in my neighborhood uh, alone, you know, I can think of three or four who will be overrun with people parking on them once they know that it's a free-for-all in private ways, unlike every other street, which requires a permit. And if I could just say that the reason for this private way is there's 26 streets in South Medford and Hillside. And some of these streets have resident parking on them. So people who lived on those streets have been paying for something that can't be enforced. So this is what we've sort of derived. This is what we've found. And, and so we feel that by exposing this, we also should somehow provide some sort of procedure for people to follow so they can mitigate this problem. Because if, you know, 26 streets, you have the three Green Line stations, and we're including the Magoon Lowell in Somerville because the lower Main Street is actually closer for people in South Medford to walk there. And so we've identified within this region, those streets. So something needs to be done sooner, not later. And it's, and it's a problem that can be looked at. Arlington has a wonderful private way program as well that we pointed out. But Summerlin and Arlington, our neighbors, have looked at this and said, there's something we need to do. And that's what we're recommending. And it is in here. Going back to Mike, uh, Councillor Marks uh, about the, the dysfunction of our resident, or I'll say the dysfunction of our resident parking program, we've identified 15 streets as well. Took examples within the GLX station areas, within those three stations. And between the visitor passes and the resident permits, there's not enough spaces to park. So here we have 15 streets. We've given out more passes than actually what's available. So that's kind of, that's sort of like the airline selling you 200, you know, tickets and there's only 50 seats. There needs to be some sort of mitigation. The other thing with this particular green line coming, we have to emphasize that our area has the possibility of, of easy transportation and take away the, the attractiveness maybe of, of owning an automobile because of the proximity. And how do you do that? So some of our recommendations for resident parking is if you have more than two cars, for instance, in other cities, they start to raise the price of those additional stickers because, you know, a number of people, probably 70% of, of homes here in South Medford have, and Hillside have a driveway. But if people can't get out of the driveway, they're not going to use it. But then if it, it doesn't become attractive, then that might change the attitude of people owning a car or owning a vehicle in these areas. So again, this is something that needs to be looked at and identified, but we identify this as a possibility. And I think that's going to be incredibly eye-opening for people when they make these decisions. And can I ask a question? Oh, Laurel. Um, has the mayor given you an indication whether she's going to renew this contract? Because we're, from what I'm seeing, we're about 90 days out from the, uh, the August 6th date, uh, which, which she, well, they have, we have to notify them. Uh, you know, uh, at, at, that they won't be coming back. Um, and as she said, it because, um, you know, if, if, if we are going to do this in-house or hire another company, I would think that um, we need to get started on this uh, pretty soon. I mean, you know, uh, you know August, you know, uh, comes in August, uh, within four months, these, they'll, they'll be out of here and we'll have, we'll have nobody here to do the parking. So I don't know. I know. I know. I haven't been given an indication on anyone else, but as you know, uh, as the mayor said, whether she wants to do an in-house, uh, we're going to get rid of the company, or we're going to hire another company to do this before we spin our wheels and all this uh, work and all the committee. 
um, if, 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 we're, if we're going to go out and hire another company um, uh, to, to do the parking, uh, it would be good to, you know, before we start going crazy, to, uh, to see if, if uh, she's going to uh, hire someone else or, or if we plan on doing an in-house. If we're going to do an in-house, then these are, these are great rules to start with right off, right off the bat. Yeah, so uh, she just has to tell the parking uh, park Medford um, reef, reef parking that she's not going to renew the contract by August, right. and then we have parking through January. Right. Because we're in seven years of this ten-year contract, we own all of the equipment. That's correct. So uh, technically, January come January first, we could switch on Medford's own in-house parking. Uh, go ahead, Jim. Yes. Yeah, so part of this process beyond this report. We have a resource guide that we put together. It's about 300 pages of information. And what we were able to do is sort of look at vendors, look at possibilities, other opportunities, uh, changing to a meter program, all of these different options that are available. We also asked some of the surrounding communities to give us the structure of their transportation department. So it might be easy to implement a little bit, a little bit easier if you decide to do this in-house. So it gave some flexibility, but also some resources to make some good decisions in regards to that. Uh, Pam uh, Cerullo put together so much of this information and provided that uh, possibility. Again, we wanted to make recommendations. We also have some data to back it up and to, and to have these programs available or what resources are available to people. So there's the, the Park Mitford program, according to the contract that Laurel Siegel uh, went through, we could not do, we could not extend it for one year. We would only be able to do it for three years, three year increment, according to the contract, the original contract. So we were sort of at, um, you know, that those dates were important. The 90 days were important, but also because of COVID, you currently only have two people actually enforcing everything in the city. So if you do bring that in, you have all of the equipment, you have the cars, et cetera. It isn't something that's going to be noticeable. It's something that you can build from. So it's it's really a, a great time if there's no other time to look at doing something like this. So it gives gives sort of a flexibility, but also an opportunity. Um, well, you know, um, I you know I, I had visited uh, some uh, at, at the different uh, shows that I've gone to, and we're at um, the uh, according to the different park people that I have spoken to over the years. Uh, the lifespan of this equipment is seven to ten years, and we're kind of at that thing. So, are, are these um, kiosks uh, upgradable uh, to, I mean, uh, uh, from the computer ends? Uh, so, uh, again, that would be the uh, uh, a, 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 a big uh, a big thing too. Uh, you know, yeah, uh, it, it's not a small task. Um, you're right. Life expectancy of these devices is seven to ten years. Yeah. We decided to go with the kiosk program which everyone hates across the board unilaterally. I can't, the number of complaints we get in Medford Square. Um, the, however, uh, to upgrade or refurbish to 2021 technology would cost about five to $10,000 per machine. So you're looking at expenses, whether you replace the machines with smart meters, which is what our recommendation is, 
or you uh, refurbish machines that we have for a temporary fix. Um, we don't know the exact status of every single machine and if one is more likely to fail or not. Uh, it would be also helpful to know how much money, time uh, has been spent on refurbishing or fixing machines as they break down. As we know, those kiosks are not necessarily always in working order. So um, there's kind of a lot of unknowns that would have to be looked at, but it will be an expense no matter what. There's about 85 machines right now. So 85 times five at a small, you know, at the small amount or times 10 at the larger amount. It's a sizable amount of money that may be worth reinvesting actually in new infrastructure. Jim? Council Bears. Council Bears, you had your hand up. If, if Jim wants to finish, I'm happy to let him finish. I just want to go through the life of uh, the, the, the kiosk as well. What we were looking at too, when we made the short-term and long-term recommendations, what we said for short-term was to keep the kiosk just maybe for one more year for budgetary reasons so that if the city needed to implement this, it wasn't gonna be a burden. It, you already have everything in place and you can kind of grow from that. Give it the next year, use your equipment. Most of this is not a software upgrade, it's the actual batteries, the solar batteries that need to be replaced. So that's why the equipment sort of fails often, but at least it gives you wiggle room with this opportunity to not kill yourself with the budgetary constraints, but just sort of manage it keep the program sort of similar, but just build from it. Thank you. Uh, Council Bears. So I have two questions and I want to echo all my counselors and thanking all of you for the work that you've been doing. Um, first one is there are a you know, pretty significant outstanding sum of uncollected fines uh, with Republic parking. Um, would the responsibility for collecting those come to the city if we weren't to extend the contract? And I know that's kind of technical, but it just popped into my head. Yeah, so unfortunately, the city signed a bad contract when they signed this contract with the uh, Park Republic Reef Medford uh, Reef Parking. There's no provision of what happens to the outstanding money um, when the contract ends. So we don't know. Okay. Um, and kind of on this bigger picture, and similar to what Councillor Marks asked, but, um, you know, since you've filed the report and issued your recommendations, has the mayor, you know, been in communication with you about developing an action plan to implement them? Like, is that, you know, are the, are the, is the committee itself or are the members of the committee going to continue to be part of the process of implementing the plan? Because I think as Councillor Marks rightly said, you know, we need to start doing some of these things. Um, and it seems like you all have put in all this time and research. So it might be logical that, uh, you would be available to to help. It's been a long year, Councillor. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. Jim? I agree with you all. <laughs> no, and I hear that, but... Um, we are available. We've, we made ourselves available. And um, again, we're a good resource and we have all the resources we could at least provide that. So yes, we are available. And that's why our commission was extended to 630 from the end date of 331. Got it, great, thank you. Uh, Council Falco. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, I also wanna thank uh, Jim and Laurel and everyone in the commission for their hard work. I know a lot of time, effort and energy went into uh, producing this report. And for all your meetings, the surveys, um, this is a, uh, 
it's a lot of hard work. And, and I know as a counsel, I appreciate that. I, I love to look at data. So this is, uh, this is good to see. Um, so thank you. I wanted to, uh, my question actually is about the, the summary of recommendations. The first one, create appropriate, appropriately fund and staff a department of transportation. I was wondering if you could just give some more specifics as to what would an in-house program look like with regard to staffing, funding, what would be the budget impact? If you could just elaborate a little bit more on that, please. Okay. Um, again, this is sort of in its infancy. We've, we've uh, used some of those surrounding communities examples. So based on the needs of parking enforcement at this point, with signage, et cetera, a very minimal staff could be developed in-house. Also, um, you know, with the transportation department, it's an opportunity to be uh, a liaison to the MBTA, for instance, uh, for transportation needs outside of that. So you're sort of building the possibility of this transportation uh, environment. And with that said, be responsible for information to the community, put it part of the, the, the package for new arrivals, et cetera. So the transportation department can be very minimal starting out, but just, you know, take the to pass traffic changes to ensure that signage meets the minimum. Um, something as simple as a stamp on a resident parking to identify a particular location, but they would be responsible for this. How it looks is really sort of up to the interpretation. And I think that's part of the implementation team, what they see, how they're going to do it, what they're going to take on and how they're going to manage that. So, you know, six months to a year, that will change, that will ebb and flow, but it will be based on need. And that's what we emphasize being dynamic. Dynamic is ever changing, consistent, but with change and flexibility. And that kind of brings people into the process of, you know, managing things a little bit better. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, and a resource that was invaluable to us is Todd, uh, Todd Blake, who's the Director of Traffic and Transportation. So as Medford evolves into our next, you know, uh, uh, evolution of a city here, that's, those transportation problems are going to increase. Uh, we have increased bike lanes, we increase needs um, for that kind of infrastructure, uh, access to the train stations, because there is no parking that's around each train station. We need to actually make sure people get there safely and in alternate ways and not necessarily be dropped off by a car. So the, the hope is, is that we actually create a formal way for folks within the city to have that kind of also um, recourse and justice, right? So right now, if you have a problem, go before the traffic commission. I agree with you 100% Councilor Marks. The Department of Transportation would not replace the traffic commission. Apparently the traffic commission is a legislative body but they can at least start splitting the roles and start um, creating more specific guidelines. So they're not, like you said, the chief of police spending his time trying to figure out whether there should be permit parking on this street or that street. You know, again, a holistic look about the entirety of Medford is what we really need for traffic and transportation right now. Uh, thank you. So if I may follow up, um, so, as we all know, budget season is upon us. <laughs> and um, so if we're going to move forward, uh, I'm sure that the administration is probably going to be looking for um, a number to put in the budget for this. So do we have, is there any recommendation or is that right now the, is, is the administration working on that? Do we know, or, I mean, I, I would think they would want something to put in the budget if we're gonna move in this direction. 
is that something that the committee has recommended or is that is that still under discussion? Well, um, as we know, what the city is facing a $8 million deficit at least, and then also this parking ticket sales, standing parking tickets are between $1.6 million and $2 million. So if half of that was collected, we'd have a very nice starting point for this Department of Transportation and our new parking program. That would be particularly excellent for us to see. Um, you'll notice, and I'm just gonna address this head on, that we do not recommend any kind of uh, clemency programs for these outstanding parking tickets. Some of the folks may have moved out of state and they may not be retrievable funds anyway, but you know, listen, uh, that's a lot of money and we're in a deficit and it seems like we should be uh, moving toward that. However, we also know that we have been uh, granted federal stimulus from the pandemic funding. So we do have some money coming our way as well. We did not create a line item sheet or any kind of budget of what this would look like. Ideally, I think we pretty much agree that two people enforcing parking for the entirety of Medford is not sustainable, nor is it efficient. Uh, at comparison, because people always ask, what about Somerville? Somerville has a 100-person staff and an $8 million tra uh, parking budget. So we're not trying to be Somerville overnight. We're trying to move from two people enforcing parking issues to, say, five? Is that possible? Um, you know, what can we do in this budget year when there are so many other demands on the budget? Jim? I agree with Laurel. And again, I think, uh, you know, we provided a great deal of resource information, whatever decisions are made uh, from vendors to uh, tools to what we need to do to go forward. I think it will be a lot easier to have that information to sort of develop a budget within that, within those criteria. So. And just one other point, the city outsourced the parking and they, seven years ago, and they set it and they forget it. So there's been no money spent on public parking uh, needs, business parking needs, any kind of evolution of the parking program as it exists currently in Medford for seven years. And that's like not acceptable. So if we talk about a pilot program, again, getting back to Councillor Mark's point, let's implement it. Let's then um, get it actually going and then follow up within one year, two, 16 months, six months, whatever we need to do. Let's create that plan and, and stick to it. So a program in a city cannot exist in this vacuum of inaction. Exactly. And again, having an, having an enforcement process, having clear and concise policy, then you can go and enforce when people sort of break the law, whatever the case may be. I think it's just been so difficult to enforce. And it's the city's responsibility to work and to ensure the vendor follows through through their contract obligations. And that's something that we sort of found, you know, there's two sides to the park. Medford was not really forced to go after folks. And so, you know, let's not make that same mistake. Whatever we do going forward, we need to make sure that we have something that's fair and equitable. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. Okay. Um, any further questions for uh, the committee? Oh. Any further questions for the committee? Any, uh, does the committee have any more uh, info they'd like to share with the council? <laughs> um, I would like to specifically thank all of, again, uh, Alicia Hunt's office has been 
so helpful. Uh, we got a lot of our mapping information from her and her staff. Um, having those types of census data maps has been absolutely crucial to be able to understand what these two neighborhoods look like in the city of Medford and how they are different from other neighborhoods. Um, also, when we say we study 15 streets and what they look like for permit parking, Pamsarillo counted parking spots in the dead of winter. So this is the kind of dedication that you're seeing from each of these commission members. Maury knocking on doors, every business we must have talked to, at least 100 businesses, um, outreached through the Chamber of Commerce. Um, Fred, again, it's just a matter of having folks willing to go out, talk to people every single day, whether they are their neighbors or their businesses next door. I should also point out while we're on the topic of businesses, very good feedback about having free 15 minute <clears throat> parking for businesses. Um, one thing that we should talk about probably at a different session is the need for business parking across the entire city. Um, there's certainly a, a, a feeling of unfairness when you have one pizza shop at one end that has zero parking enforcement in front of it, and you have a pizza shop at the other end who has to ask their customers to pay. Um, we want, again, this is not a money-seeking um, endeavor, but it, it does need to be fair. So if there's free 15-minute parking, that actually helps those folks who are in and out, getting delivery, uh, looking for uh, quick options, um, as they frequent the businesses across the entire city, not just Medford Square. And of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, a parking garage in Medford Square is something, again, that has been studied a number of times. Um, Representative Donato did set aside some money in this year's budget for a parking garage, hopefully. So, you know, or to start the process, uh, it seems like a lot of this does start with money. So where we can find those types of programs and initiatives that don't cost money would be really helpful. One thing that we suggested is that the city actually do outreach with the Chevalier Theater. And so when you get your tickets to your event, you're given a map of where to park. And believe it or not, we're recommending folks park at the Congdon Shell and then walk over. It Press a button, the traffic stops, you walk over right into Medford Square, get an ice cream at Colleen's, you go to your show. Super easy. So we need to start thinking really creatively about using spaces that we are not currently using for parking until we move to this next phase. So short term, there's some very actionable, inexpensive, and uh, easy to do with staffing uh, options that we have. Mr. President? Uh, Councilor Max. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Just two quick points. Um, in the original parking uh, program, uh, there was supposed to be Laurel of phase two, which was uh, supposed to cover all the other business districts that weren't covered under phase one. Unfortunately, uh, there was never a phase two. So I agree with you. Uh, there is uh, a, a lot of making up on uh, parking enforcement throughout the community to make it a level playing field, which we should do. Uh, the second thing regarding the parking garage, um, prior to uh, this parking program, uh, which uh, was implemented some nine, 10 years ago, um, there was a call for a parking garage in the square. And uh, some members of the community felt because we were doing zero parking enforcement and allowing people to park, uh, you know, eight to 10 hours in most of our business districts and taking the commuter bus or uh, just parking in general, uh, that there really wasn't quite a need, or I should say the city didn't show a need for the building of a garage uh, because we weren't doing any enforcement. So we were saying you can't find a parking spot, 
However, we weren't doing enforcement. So we said, let's see what happens after we do enforcement. And I think now the time we've seen what enforcement does, now the time is probably appropriate that we do take a look at uh, building uh, a garage for our parking needs. So uh, I think that's a, a logical next step. Uh, Mr. President, at this time, and I know there's other people that want to speak, but I'd like to make a motion that we meet with the city administration uh, regarding next steps, uh, which includes budgeting, implementation, and rollout. So I, I would ask that uh, under your leadership, Mr. President, you've been doing a great job setting up these meetings back to back, uh, that we have that next meeting with the city administration, as, as well as this traffic advisory commission uh, and any other parties that want to attend, uh, you know, uh, Chamber of Commerce and so forth, uh, just so we can uh, move this forward uh, and make sure it's something that doesn't linger around. Uh, and uh, I would put that in the form of a motion. Uh, thank you, Council Moxon. I second uh, that. the motion, Mr. President. I was uh, actually in the process of making a resolution uh, exactly to that, to that fact uh, to get it on for this uh, Tuesday's agenda. So uh, that will be on this Tuesday's agenda. Well, if we could, Mr. President, and I, I'm not opposed to putting it on the agenda, but if we can report it out of committee now, yep. uh, out, out of the committee of the whole, and, and then discuss it again Tuesday, and I'm not opposed to that, but, uh, but I think uh, what I'm gathering from this meeting, the next logical step would be to uh, make sure that we talk about uh, rollout implementation, as Councilor Falco mentioned, but budgeting and uh, any other you know particular discussions we need to have with the city administration, so we can work in cooperation um, uh, in getting this uh, accomplished. Councilor Falco, I, thank you, President Carviello, and thank you, Councilor Marks. Uh, I, I agree with your motion. I think it, it's it would be smart to move forward and to actually look at what the budget impacts are going to be. So I think the next step meeting with the administration is, is a great idea. Um, I have one final question uh, for Laurel, Laurel and Jim, uh, if I may. I noticed that you uh, interviewed Park Medford. I think you said twice. Uh, do you have, um, through those interviews, and I know Park Medford has always been a point of contention, but um, do you have any like kind of like lessons learned that you pulled out of that that maybe haven't been mentioned already with regard to uh, Park Medford? Yeah, listen, it's very easy to demonize Park Medford. Yeah. But these are just people who want jobs and are trying to do them to the best of their ability. Um, I've always found Park Medford extremely responsive when I call and ask for enforcement on my street. Um, we've never had problems getting permits, et cetera. I call when I'm having a barbecue. I've, it's always been good for me. I know that's not the same experience for everyone. Um, I feel that one of the first things we need to learn is that uh, whoever just <laughs> takes over parking enforcement in Medford, it's a tough job. It's a thankless job. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where people gripe about it constantly. But if they know why the parking enforcement is the way it is, hopefully they'll understand sometimes they are in the wrong and sometimes perhaps they're in the right. So in general, those conversations with Park Medford have been super helpful, mostly data mining. Um, they've, they've given us as much information as they can. Um, clearly, they're not under the same uh, open information <clears throat> laws as the city is. But um, again, they've been very helpful with us, uh, all things considered. Jim? Um, they were, they're incredibly helpful. Any kind of issue, if there was a focus street, if I needed, we needed to know how many tickets were issued, give us a timeline. 
Within 20 minutes, we had this information. They were forthcoming with everything. And certainly they could not have been more helpful. They were available. So, oh, good. Jim, how many, how many tickets were issued on Yale Street last year? 279 or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they were still able to enforce parking even during a pandemic, even short staffed. So at some point, you know, um, as you mentioned, uh, Councillor Falco, data is how we can make decisions. And it's how we know enforcement is working, as you mentioned, Councillor Marks. And the more that we have folks enrolled in some kind of parking program, the more that we know whether it's actually working, which is why we also, I'm just going to, again, another um, uh, uh, controversial issue is having tough students who are on leases be able to get parking passes because then we know who they are, the landlords, we know the landlords know who they are because they're on the leases. Um, and then the city who knows who are the responsible landlords for actually putting the people that live in the building on the lease. This is another issue that you see in the Hillside and South Metro. There are folks that complain that there are too many people living in buildings. They don't know who they are. Well, this would be one of those incentives. If you want to live in this apartment, get a permit parking pass, go through the city, and then we'll know how many students actually want this feature. Um, so this was, this was, again, from community outreach when we had our meetings where we had folks who live in South Medford who go to school who may not have their car registered here. You know, we, we, I personally felt, well, maybe this is not something that we need to put aside, but something we need to look at. And it, it opened up the opportunity for conversation. And what we found was the city of Salem does a program just like this for students and, you know, the fees are much higher than somebody who just gets a resident parking, but at least there isn't that um, conflict with visitor parking. I think what we found, too, from some of the demographics is South Metro has the lowest registration of automobiles, but more cars than any other area. So it looks like maybe the visitor pass program needs to be sort of adjusted a bit, and this might be the catalyst for that change. But from the numbers, you can see that there, there is problem. And just from that conversation, we got to focus and to see the possibilities, so. Thank you. Uh, Council Falco. No, that, that, they just answered the question. Thank you so much for your, all your help and for answering the questions. And once again, thank you to the commission for all your hard work, appreciate it. Council Biz. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I just wanted to amend uh, Councilor Marks's motion. I think it's captured in there, but I just wanna be explicit and ask that the administration bring a proposed timeline to our meeting. Okay. Mr. Clerk, did you get that? Hang on. Okay. Uh, and uh, be before before you read the motion back, we get, I, I, I see a couple of hands raised, Mr. Clerk, so. Okay. Um, Matthew Page Lieberman, you have your hand up there. Yeah, but this isn't to speak on the motion. It's more to kind of ask a, a question. Oh, no, yeah, a ask a question. It's not about the motion. Uh, Matthew, name and address of the record, please. Matthew Page Lieberman, 15 Canal Street, uh, here in Medford. So, uh, Jim, Laurel, Jim and Laurel, thank you so much for putting this together. Um, I, have a, I have a question about, uh, Laurel said early on, about how the city should be enforcing uh, this, you know, this issue when people are parking on their sidewalks. I saw that in the port as well. Um, one of the city councilors last week had brought up in a meeting that there's some, sometimes it's unclear where exactly the sidewalk is. And so people may be, you know, parking on there accidentally. Um, I have a, there's a, there's a pedestrian group in our city and 
back in January, somebody had posted a picture I could bring up right here where it, this is around the corner from me. And it, it looks like this old man is walk. He has a walking cane. Uh, you could see that these, you know, these cars right here, they're, they're, they appear to be on the street, right? But you could also see this pole and there's a curb. So that's, uh, that, that's, that's so much uh, the case when you go forward towards Boston as well. There, uh, there, it's like the issue is that the road is on level where people are parking at the same time, so is the sidewalk. Um, and so that's, that, you know, that's, that's one of the areas that you mentioned in the report. It's um, where, Arling, where Canal comes in, the curving into Arlington and then intersects with Boston. People are parked on the curb, uh, whether the curb is apparent on, on one side or, or whether it's not. Um, and so I think the part of this issue is that um, it's not clear, right? Um, and then part of the issue is what Laurel brought up is that people are kind of concerned about parking in the driveways, whether they, they live there or not. Um, and there, I was using, you know, Google Maps uh, Street View today, and there's lots, there's plenty of space when this picture was taken of areas, you know, in people's driveways where people aren't, other people aren't parking the cars and who knows that if they're, you know, who knows if they're visiting, if they work somewhere, but like I, my kind of my question is of some things that we have to do are you know addressing people's behavior, and then I think another issue is making this clearer. So I was wondering if you know this money that I think is is coming in because of the pandemic. It sounds like you know some other money may be coming in from the state government. Can any of these things like these curbs be be fixed? Are we are we planning? Because I didn't see anything in the report about fixing this so that it's extremely clear where the curb is. Yeah, that's a really great example right there. I personally was thinking of Harvard Street and all the cars that park up on the sidewalks because it's very clearly a sidewalk, but that is less clear. Um, I am sure it is on the list of, uh, but I don't want to speak for him, um, you know, uh, director of, of traffic and transportation, Todd Blake's list of things to look at and um, assess. I think what you've pointed out is a great example. The infrastructure of the city has gone un, um, kind of uh, fixed, undocumented for a number of years. And if we are going to actually have efficient parking, we're going to need to start fixing some of that very simple infrastructure. Thank you. Council Scott Pelley. Uh, th thank you, Mr. President. And uh, thank you for that constituent to bring that forward because uh, the, the misconception that went out to, I believe, Walk Medford that Councilor Scott Pelley uh, mentioned that he would allow, uh, is allowing parking on the sidewalks. And that's not true at all. If that was the intent of what was, what was delivered, that's not the case. The, the, the intent really is one, educating the people in these neighborhoods. And what the question with these, the, the, the neighbors on uh, Mystic Street that I brought up in the last meeting was that the fact that um, these are older residents that have uh, traditionally parked there for 20, 30 years. So it's very difficult for a senior citizen who has um, uh, parked one way his whole life or her whole life, and then uh, now all of a sudden have the enforcement. So I think there's a piece of education. The other part of this is that the city has to do, we have to do more to make sure that we implement safe sidewalks uh so it, there is a clear delineation so um i I'm, I'm glad that came up and i'm glad i got to clear that up for anybody that had any question but on that note too i i appreciate uh the committee and all their hard work i think that this is why we asked for a, 
uh, committed the whole meeting. I think everybody, uh, after reading it and getting really involved in it, I see a lot of positive, um, positive work that was done. And, you know, working in Somerville and, and ha getting, a, getting a parking ticket here and there, um, there's, a, there's a big difference when, in, in, with the residents in Somerville and the employees in Somerville when they get a ticket, knowing that they made a mistake, knowing they have to pay that fine, but also knowing that that fine is going directly to fund an education process. So there's a lot that has to be involved. And that's, you know, obviously that's the, the last piece of that puzzle as we go forward. But um, this is uh, great work. I know that, um, you know, uh, the, the mention with South Medford, I have uh, many, many neighbors, friends and family, family that live in, in South Medford. So uh, there's been many conversations brought up with the administration and trying to fix those areas. So Again, I'm glad that uh, Laurel and Jim really spearheaded this uh, committee and looked at probably our most uh, most you know uh, dense and most dangerous uh, area in the community. And you know the, the 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 misconception too is everybody's the questions I've had and maybe Jim and Laurel have heard too is there the there is confusion there. Wait wait wait, George. If they're building, we built the green line. So people don't have to, to park. They don't have to drive there. They're going to walk. And unfortunately, you know, when you're doing this, ask the people in place on Placestead Road, ask the people in West Medford that, you know, unless we really come forth with a, with a, a plan in place, um, that's not true. It's a total opposite. It's a free for all for people that want to hop on the green line and just find a place to just jam their car in for 24 hours. And hopefully they can live and get by. I mean, a lot of these people sit back and say, Hey, I'll take the, you know, the $20 ticket. It's cheaper to pay in Boston, uh, you know, $40 for the day. So again, this is, we're in a step in the right direction. I appreciate, uh, my fellow councils asking all, all the, all the great questions. And I look forward to moving everything forward and, um, get some clarity from the administration. So thank you. At one point of clarification. So you, when you mentioned that these two neighborhoods are dangerous and dangerous in the way of accessing the public parking infrastructure because of streets right. and sidewalk issues. Not right. I think what the, the question we had, Laurel, the, the, you know, the phone calls I get is something simple as, you know, I can't come out of the driveway and I've had a few friends and family members that actually on Princeton street, actually backing out and getting uh, sideswiped because, you know, that's, it's, you know, one car might be a little bit higher as they're backing out. It's, it's a blind spot. And being that it's so close, how they maneuver out, so it's, it's, it's definitely a dangerous situation. So I thank you for all your work. Thank you. Uh, Mari Carroll, name and address of the record, please. Mr. Clerk, if you can unmute Mari Carroll, please. Hi, uh, good evening. How's everyone doing tonight? Uh, to follow up on the gentleman's question regarding parking, like on the, the uh, sidewalks and uh, defining clear spaces in one of our meetings when we talked about the possibility of the information of going with our parking meters along along the major uh, uh, streets uh, in the business districts and the outlying business districts it would come into the have the city would have to clearly define each parking space with with uh, building up the curbs or 
improving the curbs as well as outlining each space. And that, that came up in one of our meetings. So it was touched upon in the sense that I think it has been recognized. And uh, it's one of the things that's part of the Art Commission's uh, improvements. Thank you. Hey, do we have any, any, further, any further questions for the commission? Uh, all right. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Clerk, can you read back uh, the motion by Councillor Marx as, as amended by yes. Councillor Bears? Yes. Councillor Marx, this is what I have. Councillor Marx <clears throat> moved to meet with the city administration regarding next steps, which regards budgeting, implementation, and rollout. The meeting would include the commission and others who wish to attend. And then Councillor Bears offered an amendment. Uh, requesting that the administration bring a proposed timeline to that meeting. Is that correct? Yes, I, I know I said others that wish to attend, but if we could just substitute uh, stakeholders in the community, uh, i.e. the Chamber of Commerce and uh, you know, any other stakeholder. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Okay. And I, I, I thought I heard Vice President Knight second that motion, but I don't know who actually seconded it. Uh, you are correct. Vice President Knight uh, did second the motion. Okay. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Councilor Bears. Yes. Councilor Falco. Yes. Vice President Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. Yes, seven in the affirmative motion passes. On behalf of the on behalf of the council, uh, I want to thank the whole committee uh, for, for the for the countless amount of hours and time that you put in on this. Uh, it's, it's a great report, but uh, like uh, as Councilor Mark said, uh, we've had many reports and commissions over the years and uh, that haven't gone anywhere. Uh, I hope this is one that uh, will move forward uh, more sooner than later. So again, uh, I want to again I want to thank everybody uh, for for all the, the the time and effort you put into this. So uh, everybody have a good evening. Thank you, Mr. Thank you. President. Thank you. Motion to adjourn. Oh. Second. You want to report out? Uh, yes, Mr. Clerk, if you could, um, uh, we'd like to report this out. So, uh, Mr. Cl uh, someone want to make a motion to report this out? Motion to report out favorably and adjourn. Second. Uh, on the motion by Councilor Biz to report out and adjourn, seconded by Councilor Falco. Mr. Clerk, call the roll, please. Second. To report out favorably and to adjourn. Councilor Bears. Yes. Councilor Falco. Yes. Vice President Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Caraviello. Yes, in the affirmative. Motion passes. Okay. A motion meeting is adjourned. Thank you very much. Have a good night.